BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you today by Del Monte Tomato Products. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte Foods presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Cairo Vendetta. Cairo is a city of strange contrasts in many ways. The blinding heat, the noise and confusion of the day, compare that to the cool, restful quiet of the night. Well, on this particular night, I was in my room up over the tambourine, about as sound asleep as a man can get. But it couldn't stay that way. A rock clattered across the floor, and all at once I was wide awake, piling out of bed, grabbing my slippers, and on my way across the room to the shattered window. Jordan Bay! Wake up, Jordan Bay! Wake up! Who is that down there? Shiva. You make a habit of smashing people's windows, Shiva? I could not wake you up any other way. Well, I'm awake now. What's this all about? I must see you. Please, Effendi. It is most important. You can tell me from there. No, I cannot. Come down, Jordan Bay. Come down quickly. Oh, all right, I'll come down. This had better be good. I cut on a light, got dressed as quick as I could, and hurried down through the cafe. Window, I could see the early morning mist rise frostily from the river. The tugboat and a man leaning over its side. And suddenly the sun was out, striking glints on the water. Daytime had just entered the port of New York. Laura Burton, heiress, Laura Burton, strangled in a dollar a night hotel. Find out why. Go to the Park Avenue address of Laura Burton. Be suitably impressed by the paneled oak doors, the musical chimes. 
The butler who took my badge and placed it on a silver tray disappeared, then returned and gave it back to me between his thumb and forefinger and told me to sit. Then 15 minutes of considering the 17th century tapestries and wondering how George killed such a big dragon with such a small sword. Then just as I was about to figure it, someone tapped me on the shoulder. I had to leave George to his own devices. You like tapestries? Not especially. I was just... Oh, because if you did, I've got some in the study that would make your back teeth rattle. Oh, some other time, maybe. Right now... You're I'll... a policeman, aren't you? What policeman? Clover. Danny Clover. Homicide. I'm Muriel Carlson. What can I do for you? I asked to see Robert Burton, Laura Burton's husband. And you're from Homicide? That's right. Wonderful. Who did Robert murder? We just want to talk to him. We're not sure he committed murder, Miss Carlson. But it's possible that he did. Did he kill Laura? Laura is dead. Shot? Strangled? Beaten? Poisoned? Strangled. Well, I only ask because, well, I'm Laura's sister, and if any of my friends ask me how Laura died, I can tell them. That's all your sister's dying dust here. Oh, it's much more than that, Mr. Clover. It's a release. For years, I've been wondering how Laura would die. It's been bothering me. Now I can think of something else. Where'd she die? In a waterfront hotel. Then Robert killed her, of course. I say, of course, because there's no doubt about it. Laura was always running off to places like waterfront hotels with him so she could get to know him better. Or maybe her own canopied furniture border. You know, I thought Laura's second husband would kill her. Now it turns out her fourth husband. What do you know? Where will I find him? Robert. Robert, the man with the muscles, the man with the flat stomach and the fat mouth. Robert, fourth husband, Robert the stevedore. Where will I find him? I wouldn't know. But Robert could never get waterfront out of his hair. Literally. You could smell it. Am I being helpful, Mr. Clover? Then the glee at what I'd brought her couldn't be held back. It bubbled up, <laughs> spilled out of her mouth, shaped itself into a girlish giggle. <laughs> she tried to smooth it off her lips with the back of her hand. Couldn't. Instead, stroked her throat, arranged her back hair, watched herself, admired her image in an antique mirror. With her eyes, invited me to the same. And I got out. Then the official, the routine pattern began to spin itself out. The APBs, all points bulletin on one Robert Burton, suspicion of murder. The inquiries at the waterfront places. Robert, if you find him, mister, send him back to me. I miss dear old Robert. My Prince Charming, I called him. Find him for me. The waterfront buddies. Robert, married something rich, I hear. Gilda, eh? Well, she wasn't the rich for his blood, eh? <laughs> That's a Robert for you. The waterfront hiring halls. You're kidding, detective. We haven't seen him here since he married Mink and Lottie Dare. Robert's dreamboat come in, huh, detective? Dead wife, live money, huh? And finally, a man on the docks. A man loading cargo. A man who knew Robert like he was his brother. Like my brother, we loaded junk together. We dreamed together of faraway places and girls with bells on their toes. Now, where is he? Hold up with a bag of gold and a golden girl in some hole on Park Avenue. Like I'll be someday if I'm a good boy. Uh, by the way, I'm Marty Dixon. And you're a cop. But you've got a name, huh? Uh, Danny Clover. Danny Clover. They tell me you used to room with Burton. Uh-huh. We shared everything. A room, old comic books, girly magazines. Sometimes we shared our friends and tools. <laughs> Till he married Laura? That part of himself he kept to himself. Like I'll do someday. You won't begrudge me that, will you, Danny? Like I don't begrudge my friend Robert, who's like a brother. Tell me about their marriage. It's been in the society columns. You tell me, because you knew him so well. Gladly. I've just been waiting to be asked. 
I'm tired of thinking about it in the loneliness of my room. Their marriage was champagne and antique mirrors and velvet carpets. Sometimes he and Laura would come down and share the crumbs with me. That was gay. Why do you need to know nice things like that? Because we think he murdered Laura. Why, that crawling, no good... What's the matter, Marty? You want the killer, I'll give him to you. Where? I'll give him to you because that he shares with me. He comes to me, says he's in a little trouble. Will I put him up for a couple of days? Sure, I'll put him up. Where? In my room, 1823 West 6. You know something, Danny? I'm glad you found me. Cross my heart, I'm glad. Come on, open up, Burton. Open. Who is it? Police. You got the wrong room. Open the door. No? Okay, Burton. Let's go. Not gonna be that easy, copper. Like I said, Burton. Let's go. In here, Burton. Hi, Danny. Brought Burton along because he wants to talk to us. Good. Sit down, Burton. Over there. Thanks. Lawyer said I should tell all. You got a smart lawyer. And he can afford it. How many millions does your wife leave, Burton? Seven or ten? I never can remember. I get all flustered when I mention that much money. Why'd you strangle your wife, Burton? Oh, such a leading question, fellas. Next thing you'll want to know, did I enjoy it? Did you enjoy it, Burton? Wife, sir, such a fine woman. Never have I seen such needlework. Uh, has she been around? Uh, she does not live here either. Very suddenly, she left with the children. Well, the furniture's there. Somebody else moved in? No. No, that is the furniture of the Sabayas. It is there, but they are gone. Gone where? I would be most happy to tell you, sir, but I do not know. I thanked the lady and went back across the court and out the gate. I'd gone maybe three steps farther when an interesting mixture of garlic and perfume sidled up and stood in my way. Uh, would the senor permit me a moment? Not if it can wait. It is possible that you are a friend of the Sabayas. Why are you asking? Well, you see, senor, I am a <clears throat> bill collector. Unfortunately, they owe me some money, and I must collect it. Well, lots of luck. Uh, uh, please, please. You do not like me, do you? Well, that is the fate of my profession. But one must earn money to live. Just what do you want? It is only that if you know of the Sabayas... And give it up, mister. I don't know a thing. Uh, thank you. Thank you so kindly. He said he was a bill collector, but I knew better. They don't send Italians to collect from native Egyptians. Anyhow, he lacked all the earmarks. His fingers were manicured, he was in continental dress, and the reek of perfume about clinched the deal. So I figured maybe I ought to do a little tailing on the guy. That wasn't hard. He turned along the almost deserted Sharia El Minya, seeming to go nowhere. Then suddenly I knew somebody was behind me. But before I could make a move, the second guy had pressed me up against the wall. Oh, Mr. Jordan, 
Well, this stiletto will be slipped gently into the nap of your neck. Where did you pick up my name? It does not matter. What does? You were following my friend. I got a reason. My friend does not like to be followed. He finds it disturbing. That all on your mind? A matter that should not concern you. A man you should forget. Meaning who? Sabaya. Yeah? You ask too many questions about him. You and your friend, the ones who worked Sam over? Persisting your concerns, Senor Jordan, and the cock will crow again. What does that mean? You do not want to know. You will not like it. I don't like it already. Then I will leave you with one extra warning, Senor. This Next time I will wear a shoe with a heel of metal. It breaks the toes. Arrivederci. Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Let's pay a little call on the Cronins. It's along about dinner time, and Don is just coming in from the yard. Let's listen. Hi, honey. Say, I'm as hungry as that bear people are supposed to be as hungry as. Uh, what's for dinner? Oh, it's corned beef hash tonight, dear. See? Mm-hmm. I fixed it up special. Just the way you like it. Oh, that's for me. Corned beef hash and plenty of catsup. That catsup with a special flavor I like so much. That's Del Monte catsup. I just wouldn't be without it. You can't beat it for flavor. Oh, Mrs. Cronin, you're so right. Friends, it's a fact. You just can't beat Del Monte catsup for real, satisfying flavor. Just pour some over hash or meatloaf or chops. You'll find that appetizing tomato flavor makes you want to come back for more. Mm -mm. Yes, ma'am, there'll be plenty of calls for second helpings when you use Del Monte tomato catsup. It's tangy, it's lively, it's rich. It's tomato flavor at its best. Look for Del Monte at your grocers. You'll be surprised at its low cost. Try Del Monte catsup. Then, just like Mrs. Cronin, you'll be saying... You just can't beat Del Monte catsup for real tomato flavor. Now we return you to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, Cairo Vendetta. I hadn't forgotten Sam Sabaya's warning to me to keep out of his trouble, whatever it was. But when a couple of guys, one waving a stiletto, crossed my path with a similar warning, I decided to poke around some more. Sam had been wounded by a stiletto. The two guys I'd mixed with were Italians, so that sent me down to the Italian sector. I figured Giuliano Bassetti, who edited the Italian-language newspaper in Cairo, might be of some help. I spotted him in a coffee shop and went over to his table. Well, well, Signor Jordan. Uh, Will you join me for coffee? I don't mind if I do, Mr. Bassetti. It's been a long time. Yes, indeed it has. Uh, Servo. Coffee for this uh, gentleman here, please. I can use some. Ah, What brings you to the Italian sector, my friend? Oh, looking for new faces, you might say. I hear there are a few around. They come and go. With an eye out for the next edition, I guess you'd be the first to notice. Perhaps it is as you say. Ah, here is your coffee, Signor Gordon. Nice. 
As it happens, there is a new element in our sector most recently. Hmm? Where they come from? Oh, most of them from the home country. Why certain of them come is hard to say. Sounds like there's been trouble. I wish I could deny it. Yes, there have been numerous incidents of violence in the sector. And deeply disturbing. Well, makes good news, doesn't it? Yes, true, but what is good for my paper is not always the best for my people. Any idea what's behind all this? Perhaps. The incidents seem to follow a pattern. Monday night, a man dies by the stiletto. Another Tuesday night, in the same manner. Knifing, shootings, beatings, and... Huh? All you want is, what do I know about Annalise Sisler? That's all. Why did, huh? In an alley, huh? Well, such a good waker. One of my best. Little Annalise in such demand. By whom? Ladies. Fat ladies, skinny ladies, happy ladies, sad ladies. Little Anna Lee had a way with a steam cabinet. They always asked for her. She finished her work last night, punched her time card, waved goodbye to you from the door. That's and... right. She did all that, just like you said. Oh, but you got one detail wrong, Mr. Clover. She didn't wave goodbye. Wrong again. She waved, but not last night. Five months ago. She heard a call from somewhere deep inside her. She left my employee to answer it. You'll explain to me about the call. Happens to guys like little Anna Lee. She heard a call to be a photographer's model. Nice, clean wake. Uh, you wouldn't know where. Wrong again. With Leroy, the photographer on West 10th. Can't inveigle you into esteem, huh, Mr. Clover? My receptionist secretary said you were different from the other people who come to study with me. How much are you different? This much, Leroy. I've photographed those, too. Police badges, yes, in my formative stage, when I was desperate, naive about subject matter. But now you're doing better, huh, Leroy? Oh, much, much. As witnessed this mass class, three models, assembly line methods, pardon me. Uh, try one from the floor, Mr. Holmes, and this time we'll shoot it with film, shall we, Mr. Holmes? That's right. Yes, it's better with film. Now, Mr. Clover, where were we? You had a model. Oh, that's why you're here. You want stuff about Anna Lee. Now you know. Wonderful girl. Ordinary, but wonderful in such a wonderful way. The textures, the highlights, the shadows. Yes, we miss Annalee, don't we, Mr. Holmes? Of course we do. Ever done art studies in a prison cell, Leroy? The texture, the highlights, a man like you could do wonders. You mean because I don't nudge up to your questions, you'd do that to me? You'd, uh... Uh-huh. Hold my camera, Mr. Holmes. Thank you. Now look here, Mr. Clover. I don't believe it. Oh, I'm not going to hit you. Don't fear. I'm just going to tell you off. Annalise Sizzler was our favorite model. We've lost her. We've mourned for her for five weeks now. What? Five weeks ago, she said she had something much better than us. I pleaded with her, tried to bribe her to come back to us, even went to her apartment, my arms full of goodies. She slammed the door in my face. Her apartment? Where is it? 1923's 32nd top floor in the rear. Wonderful subject matter, but you don't care. All you care about is murder. Spoiling things, things like that. That's right. Yes. You can give him back his camera, Mr. Holmes. Leroy just told me off. East 32nd, top floor, in the rear. The door opened. The woman in the room are back to you, not hearing you walk in. A woman intent on grubbing through the open drawers of the bureau, finding things, holding them close for an instant, tossing them on a pile of stuff already on the floor, grubbing for more then finally aware of your presence, trying to still the greed trembling in her fingers and her body. What do you want here? What are you doing here? 
spying. Get out. This is Miss Sisler's apartment, isn't it? What of it? She's got no use for all this now. She didn't deserve things like this anyway. But you do. Yes, I do. All my life I deserved them. Now they're mine and you can't take them away. Let's have a look. I'll call the police. I'm the police. And you? I own this place. I run it. Rent rooms to girls like her. Clean up after. That gives you the right to steal from a dead girl like her? Not stealing. Only taking what she would have given me anyway if she'd known she's going to die. Anna was a girl like that. Generous. Didn't care about her things. And they're expensive. Silk. Imported. Never had anything like that. Not next to my body, I haven't. Just watched her put them on sometimes. All right. Don't take them away, mister. She'd have given them to me. I swear it. I swear it. Danny Clover speaking. This is Gordon, Danny, the lab. Come across the hall for a minute. I have something to show you. What? The lady slip you brought in, the underwear. Don't walk around. Gordon? Hello? Did you walk or run, Danny? Don't you ever smile? What's on your mind, Gordon? On my mind? Well, all right, I'll tell you. Why is it when the department is up to its neck in unsolved murders, they make kissing sounds at John Gordon? You got something to tell me, or you just want me to admire you? Well, first I'll tell you something. Then you can drop your chin in frank admiration. Take a look at this slip. Uh, go ahead, hold it up to the light. See what I mean? I see a black silk slip. A real expensive black silk slip. Feel it. Go ahead, right here. See what I mean? I don't see. That roughness is thread. Something was sewn on that slip and torn off. A laundry mark? Oh, Danny, what you don't know about slips. A laundry mark on a slip sewn here? Sewn here was a French word, toujours. And sewn here was a name, Laura. The stitches were pulled out, but they left their pattern. Now you want to admire me, Danny? Tartaglia. Hey, Gino, where are you? Uh, what do you want, Danny? Call the seaboard shipping line, Gino. Get the dock foreman and ask for Marty Dixon. Well, suppose they won't call Marty to the phone, Danny. Dixon's just a stevedore. Well, that's what I'm counting on. Leave word. Tell him it's urgent. Say Robert Burton wants to see Dixon as soon as Dixon gets off from work. Roger, Danny. And also, Wilco. It was four o'clock when Mugovan called in. He'd just seen the dock foreman at the seaboard shipping line hand Marty Dixon a note. It was a few minutes past 5.30 when Mugovan called back again. The quitting whistle had just blown down to the waterfront, and Marty Dixon had just punched his time clock. It'll take him 25 minutes to get to Burton. You have ruined my plans. Now there's nothing for me to do but give myself into their hands. But Sam, there must be something. No, Jordan. Jordan, tell Silvera that I will be there as soon as possible. He'll be here. No. Oh, my poor husband. Let her and the children go, Silvera. <laughs> Indeed not. She will wait here with us. What happens then? Sabaya comes to me. Then I will have my vengeance in a most interesting manner at a most interesting moment. Well, we waited. 
Mrs. Sabaya, the four kids upstairs, Silvera and me waited for Sam to come. The Baron Silvera stood at the window, gazing out onto the courtyard through which Sam had to come, wetting his lips and weighing his gun in his hand. Then we heard footsteps coming up the winding path and across the court. Finally, the door opened and Sam was standing before us. I've come, Silvera. Sam, my husband. You will not approach him. Do as he commands, my wife. And may Allah be with you always. Sam, I know it's my doing. I should have had more sense. I should have realized. Be not disturbed, Jordan. He is a small man who considers not his brother's welfare. But, Sam. We are at peace, Jordan. Silvera, I ask only mercy for my family. Do with me what you will. To do with you what I will is my exact intention. I've thought of nothing else these past few years. Last night I failed. Tonight I shall not. Sabaya, the time is late. Now come. I will follow you into the courtyard. You first, Sabaya. They started, the two of them. Sabaya first, Silvera behind him, holding the gun. This was the moment, and somehow I knew it. The moment Silvera had waited for. Sabaya in his hands. It was my fault, and there was nothing I could do. <laughs> Suddenly, I heard the cock crow, crowing at night like it had once before. And I knew what it meant, and I knew it alone could save Sam. Marty, come on in. You're real good, Danny. Hello, Marty. What goes on here? It's this way, Marty. The DA's on my back. I need a killer. Isn't that right, fella? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is, Marty. What does he know, Burton? Let me... I know Burton strangled his wife with half that cord. Gave you the other half so you could strangle that Sisler girl. Had it all arranged. How could the DA indict Burton when it was obvious the killer was still on the loose? You know a lot. How is it that you know a lot? That Sisler girl had an expensive slip that once belonged to Laura Burton. How long did it take you boys to find a girl with the same features as Laura to make it look like a killer had strangled the wrong girl when he killed Laura Burton? Oh, it didn't take you very long to find it, did it, Marty? A couple of weeks. Then you wind her and dined her. Oh, I helped, didn't I, Marty? Gave you my wife's cast-off clothes so you could give the girl presents, make her love you. You making a deal with the cop, Burton? If he likes nice things, I'm in a position to give him anything he wants. Me too. Because everything you got, I got half. That was the arrangement he made when we started this thing, Clover. When did all this happen, Marty? It happened. And that's the way it is. I didn't sign anything. I don't remember doing that. Anyway, you're a murderer. Man in my position can't have any truck with murderers, and that's why I'm giving you to the cop. You know, when I got a message this afternoon, I figured something had gone sour, so I brought a friend. Uh, uh, Marty, don't, don't be crazy. Ah, uh, Clover, don't go for your gun. I kill cops, too. Look, Marty, we, we were having a joke, weren't we, Danny? It's, listen to me. <laughs> Marty. You don't have to rough me, Clover. Gun's empty. Let's go, Marty. Sure. You want to know something? What? I feel real good. I'm going to the electric chair and I feel real good. How many men get the opportunity to die for half of eight million dollars? <laughs> With the death of Silvera and Chiano, it looked like the rebirth of the Camorra was ended. 
So after the smoke had cleared away, Sam's first thoughts were for his wife and kids back in the house. Well, that was no place for me, so I left after making a date to join him later at headquarters. Finally, I was sitting across from him at his desk as he enjoyed a hot cup of coffee in his usual way. So, Jordan, I think we need worry about the Komodo. No more. Anyhow, not Silvera and his buddy. Your family all right, Sam? Oh, yes. They're well and already back in Cairo. They and I wish to express our gratitude. Well, I got you into it, Sam. If you owe your life to anything, it's the crowing of the cock. And your ability to understand what it meant. Well, it wasn't hard to figure that Silvera wouldn't dirty his pretty fingernails with murder. He'd have his friend planted outside to do the work. And the crowing of the cock is the Camorra signal for the kill. If uh, I am not in... Oh, come in, Greco. I have here a list of all those known to have participated in the Camorra uprising. Oh, good, good, Greco. We will act at once. Jordan, if you will pardon me. Sure, sir. And me, Mr. Jordan. Oh, think nothing of it, Captain Greco. Uh... Uh, correction, Mr. Jordan. It is once again Sergeant Greco. For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomato. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role and is directed and produced by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Gum Queen. Looking for a cool, luscious dessert? Serve your family tempting Del Monte crushed pineapple heaped on your favorite ice cream or sherbet. Oh, there's flavor. Flavor that's really super delicious. Del Monte crushed pineapple, the brand that puts flavor first. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.